Hello everyone, Michael here. Please allow me to apologize in advance for the audio quality in this episode. We had a significant technological malfunction that was not evident until after the recording was complete. It is on Will's track and it cannot be scrubbed down further without taking out segments of his voice. I will play a brief sample of what the silence sounded like in the original at the very end of the show. And as always, thank you for listening. This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbroadcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. The following episode of TOFOP is rated M.A. It may contain Batman references, time travel references, sexual references, lost trains of thought, and mild coarse language. TOFOP advises that the program is not suitable for anyone under the age of 15 or anyone who enjoys succinct, coherent conversation that might actually have a point. Minors must be accompanied by a parent, guardian or priest. This is John Deke speaking. This is Tofop. I'm Charlie Clawson. I'm Will Anderson. Hello, Charlie. Hi, Will. Stop the presses. Oh, hang on. We what? have urgent news. Both our careers are under threat. Oh, well, I mean, that's not urgent news. <laughs> I think anyone who's been listening to this podcast over the last seven years will understand that. I mean, we, imagine, we, we are one of those... I was thinking about this the other day when I was reading about all these really successful podcasts. Whereas, like, we are the guys who were in the right industry early. Yep. Saw what the possibilities of the industry was, but then did not manage to capitalize on any of the growth. Yeah, but the best part is in 20 years time, we can go on tour again and make all our money back then. Yeah, you know what it is like at the moment with this podcast is that um, everybody's like, it must be great now that everybody knows how to listen to podcasts. And I'm like, no, I liked it when nobody knew how to listen and they only listened to ours. Like now everyone has a podcast and everyone knows how to listen to them and they're not listening to our podcast. I know. I mean, the problem with more people getting the podcasting game is the standard inevitably got lifted, and so that yeah. was that was that's going to count against us. Quality podcasts yeah, turns are out, going to count turns against out the us. rising tide does not lift all boats, Charlie. <laughs> yeah. Well, the rising tide lifts all boats unless you are a stone at the bottom <laughs> of the ocean. That is Tofop. Unless you are a caravan that somebody's painted like a boat, and then suddenly when the water rises, you just drown. <laughs> Unless you're some kind of mollusk that just feeds off the scum and the ocean bed. Tofop. <laughs> Someone sent an article in today, Will, uh, from the New York Times. And the headline is, a robot, robot walks into a bar, but can it do comedy? Have you read this article? Is that it? No, that's it. Do they just pose that question that's or it. is there an article? There's an article. This is by Alex Marshall of the New York Times. London. The setting is London. One evening in a London pub, Pitor, how do you spell Pitor? Pitor Morowski, oh my God, here we go. Pitor Morowski, 39, stood in front of several dozen comedy fans. Also, what I love is you said, how do you spell it? And I'm like, well, you're the only one who knows how to spell it. You're reading it. I think what you meant was how, how, do, you you say, how do you pronounce it. I, did. I think how you spell it is clearly written down in this New York Times article, I imagine. Pitor Morowski. 39 stood in front of several dozen comedy fans to prove that artificially intelligent computer programs could perform improvised comedy. In one hand... Now, by the way, if you're at a gig where there's only several dozen people there, they are indeed comedy fans. <laughs> you are at a small gig on the comedy circuit for diehard comedy fans or people who've come down for some sort of Palmer and beer like, offer yeah. that they're putting together with the comedy. Yeah, it's a $2 Tuesday, tight-ass Tuesdays. On one hand, he held his bug-eyed toy robot, its lines voiced by the program. With the other, he pretended to grip a steering wheel. The robot was playing Mr. Morosky's partner, and they were taking a scenic drive together. And I'm just going to do the voice now so you can differentiate between the characters on stage. I'm not, okay, I'm not trying to be angry, the robot said, suddenly breaking the mood. Okay, Charlie, but what you haven't taken into account is this is a British robot. And you're speaking in an American robot accent. Okay. Um, 
Uh, hang on, just let me just let me recalibrate. How do you do an English robot accent? I'm not. I'm not. I'm. Uh, hang on, let me try. How do you do an English accent? Um, uh, awfully sorry. In the words of David uh, David Cassidy, in fact, I think I love. Sorry, I'm doing my Hugh Grant. Uh, awfully sorry. Okay, yeah. Okay. But um, that's basically you've done C three PO. That's a good robot. one. C three PO. C three PO. Okay, I'll do C three PO. I'm not trying to be angry. The robot said, suddenly breaking the mood. And now uh, Peter responds, "I don't want you to be angry." This is all that he's he's Polish, I believe. Do I have to do a Polish accent? <laughs> no. Okay. I mean, yeah, give it a go. <laughs> okay. Hang on. Uh, uh, I can only do. I mean, I can only do Russian. I'll, I can do sort of like a Slavic Russian kind of thing. Is that going to work? Sure. Is that racist? Sure. <laughs> okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's probably yeah, racist, okay. but it'll work for me. Okay. I don't want you to be. <laughs> that's Count Dracula. Sorry. Hang on. I think that's definitely Count Dracula. <laughs> I feel I'll like follow. that yeah. is Transylvania. No, do you not hear? I'm going to do John Malkovich from Rounders. You do not have my money. I kill you. Okay, I think I'm there. You do not have my money. I don't. I, I don't want. <laughs> I don't want. <laughs> you do not. Hear, I don't want you to be angry. This is a quality time. <laughs> now I don't know where that accent's gone. You know what? Forget the accents because I'm going to totally step on the robot's jokes here. So let's re rewind. We'll go back. I'm not going to do any accents because it's ruining the flow. <clears throat> the robot says, I'm not trying to be angry, suddenly breaking the mood. I don't want you to be angry. This is our quality time, Mr. Morosky replied. I'm sure that you will find love, the robot said after an awkward pause, drawing a firm end to the couple's relationship and prompting laughter from the audience. I'm so tired, the robot added. Mr. Morosky made a final attempt to save things, but the robot would not listen. You are not me. You are my friend, it said, emotionless. Okay, so tell me what the four robot lines were. What was the first one? I'm not trying to be angry. And I'm not trying to be angry. And Peter responds, okay, sure. I don't want you to be angry. Because they're, they're, they're play acting. That I, don't care, I, don't, I don't care about what Peter's saying. Okay. I just want to know what the four robot lines are. Okay, so to, what about the scenario? Does that matter that they're pretending they're a couple driving? Well, this is my point, Charlie, is yeah. that I believe that you could put those four lines into any scenario and it would make sense. Okay. I'm not trying to be angry is the first line. Yes. I'm sure that you will find love. I'm so tired. You are not me. You are my friend. Okay, cool. All right. So let's just create another scenario. Okay. You think of any scenario. Okay. Two guys are doing a podcast. <laughs> right. Via Skype. I say to you, hey, I'm not trying to be angry. No, no. Hang on. What? I'm the robot. You're oh, okay. the person. You're... Uh, You're setting up some scenario. Okay. And I'm going to say the lines, I'm not trying to be angry. Okay, yeah. Um, you will find love one day. I'm tired now. You are not me. You are my friend. Wow, well done, Will. That, you remembered all those. That's excellent. I'm really yeah, well, impressed. I'm not saying I'll remember them once we're okay. in the situation. Okay. All right, okay. We're okay. in the improv. Okay, so I need a location. Also, Charlie, by the way, you've got to remember, you are now improvising with a Victorian... <laughs> Finalist oh, that's right. The, yeah, national in the, the theatre sports competition. Controversially, so. did not win though the state final, as we all know. Finally, back in improv. Okay, all right. Okay, so the scenario is um, where, well, where, where we've just opened a cafe. We're co-owners of a cafe, and as our first day of business, Perfect. I've opened the doors, and we're right. waiting for our first customer to walk in, but no one has walked in. And I, t you, I turn to you, and you say, "I'm not trying to be angry at you." Well, I I didn't realize you were angry. You'll find love one day. What? <laughs> what are you talking about? I'm married. I'm tired. <laughs> are you are you high? You seem high. Hey, you are not me. You are my friend. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, I am high. Same. Same. <laughs> For someone who had just been dumped in front of a paying audience, Mr. Morosky looked very happy. Why? Because the AI he created had worked and stuck to the topic at hand. A rare event, he said later in an interview. For the past few... Surely, Charlie, if you were going to invent an uh, AI that did comedy, you would have to call it a... hey -oh! <laughs> Thank you very much. Thank you very much. For the past few years, AI has been generating attention and alarm in many e areas of arts and culture. Startups and tech giants are developing AI systems that can write music, for example, while others are using the technology to generate art. Some fear these projects will put musicians and artists out of work. 
Using computers to make comedy has received less attention, but it has, surpri- but it has a surprisingly long history. In the early 1990s, researchers at the University of Edinburgh wrote a program that could produce question-based puns such as, what do you call a good-looking taxi? Uh, a handsome cab. You are as funny as a robot in the mid-90s. Take that, robot. (laughs) It succeeds in generating pieces of text that are recognisably jokes, but some of them are not very good jokes, the researcher said in a paper on the project. Oh, everyone's a bloody critic. You do one gig and suddenly you got a fucking review in some sort of scientific paper. You're like, mate, it was my first gig. You shouldn't be reviewing someone on their first gig. I mean, it's appropriate too that it was the University of Edinburgh, right? Like it's like Edinburgh Festival, very famous oh. comedy festival. What's that? Is it the Bear Pit, that that notoriously difficult place to do comedy? This is where this scientist probably goes. He probably goes to Leighton Live yeah. every Edinburgh <laughs> festival and he goes down there and heckles. It's like, you're not as funny as my robot. People are like, I don't really understand, but he's here every night. (laughs) Today, around a dozen people in Europe and North America are working on similar projects, mainly in their spare time from AI-related jobs, Mr. Morosky said. He's a senior research scientist working on artificial intelligence at Google DeepMind, but said his work there was... Just by the way, you know that something's important scientific research if people are doing it... On the side. ...mainly in their spare time. (laughs) In fact, like most people who do arts, comedy and music, Mostly in, in their, their spare, spare time. time. Or podcasts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he works for DeepMind, Google's DeepMind, but said there was no, it was, his work was not related to comedy. I've never, what is Google DeepMind? What is Google DeepMind? Mike Mind? Al- That sounds like a question. Mike Al- That sounds like a question we should ask our AI. Bing. Yeah, exactly. Mike Al, can you tell us what a Google DeepMind is? Yeah. Can you tell us off the top of your head? Are you part of Google DeepMind, <laughs> Michael? I would like to know. Mr. Morosky was born in Poland, but spent most of his childhood in France. Oh, that's why I got the accent wrong. He grew up in France. Oh, 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 oh la la, I could have done, uh, busted up my Marc Leclerc. It would have been uh, much more offensive. <laughs> uh, he grew up in France playing role-playing and video games. Oh, he sounds like... Of course you did. Nerd. <laughs> nerd. <laughs> you nerd. No wonder your best friend's a robot, you nerd. You will never find love. He said he fell in love with improv at college, both the challenge and the playfulness of it, and kept at it uh, after he graduated and started working in AI. He long thought of combining his passions, but he said he'd only realised it was possible in 2014, partly because assist- Maybe that's what the robot was trying to tell him, Charlie. Maybe the robot wasn't doing improv at all. Maybe the robot said when you'll find love one day. He was saying, forget about your stupid love of improv. That's not a real thing to love. You will find actual love someday. So Michael sent us a link for DeepMind. Okay, so I've clicked on it. DeepMind, open research, the highest quality, over 200 publications, increasing nature and science. A major milestone for them? I don't know. What does this mean? I don't understand what this is. Yeah, but what is it? Just tell us what Google DeepMind okay, is. Okay, about it's us. Sort of... I'm clicking on about us. All right. Uh, DeepMind. DeepMind is the world leader in artificial intelligence research and its application for positive impact. We're on a scientific mission to push the boundaries of AI, developing programs that can learn to solve any complex problem without needing to be taught how. If we're successful, we believe this will be one of the most important and widely beneficial scientific advances ever made, increasing our capacity to understand the mysteries of the universe and to tackle some of our most pressing real-world challenges, from climate change to the need for radically improved healthcare to funnier comedians. (laughs) And then a little asterisk that says, terms and conditions... It may also lead to us being overthrown by our robot masters. <laughs> Too many problems uh, suffer from painfully slow progress. Their complexity overwhelming our ability to find solutions. With AI as a multiplier for human ingenuity, those solutions will come into reach. DeepMind was founded in London in 2010 and backed by some of the most successful technology entrepreneurs in the world. Having been acquired by Google in 2014, we are now part of the Alphabet Group. We continue to be based in our hometown of London with additional research centres in Edmonton and Montreal uh, and Mountain View, California. Hmm. Well, if the one thing we've learned from the last six months is the one group of people we can trust in this world is technology entrepreneurs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's no corruption in Silicon Valley at all. Uh, okay. Where was I? He long thought of... Comb- so really, uh, robots can't do stand-up comedy yet, though. That's what we're really learning Well, we're not done yet. The article continues. Okay. He he long thought of combining his passions, but he said he'd only 
I'd only realized it was possible in 2014, partly because of systems that could quickly analyze large volumes of text, spot patterns, and then produce sentences in response. Mr. Morolsky decided to apply that to improv skits. I mean, the question is, like, detecting patterns of language and stuff doesn't necessarily create humor because language has, like, patterns and systems, but it's how you juxtapose those sentences, right, that make that creates comedy? Well, I mean, the thing that the robot was saying in that improv situation wasn't exactly yes, yes ending. No. It was yes ending, but it was just saying another thing that wasn't necessarily connected to the previous thing that was being said. Like, it was vaguely connected. Yeah. Or you could make a connection, but it wasn't as if it had chosen the perfect rejoinder to that moment. Yeah, it's like if you ask Siri, like, a dirty question or something, and she gives you a response that is not actually answering your question, but you can interpret, you know, like, uh, Siri, what do farts smell like? <laughs> and she says something like, you know, I can't, my head's too full to answer that question. You're like, ah, oh, that's right, it's full of farts, Siri. Not that I've ever done that. Do you think there must be, right, for that Siri function, because you can ask Siri the most fucked up questions and Siri <laughs> tends to have some sort of answer. And it's not always the same answer. Like, there seems to be specifically targeted answers for certain questions. Mm. That means at some stage, right, they had to think up, what do we think are the questions that people are going to ask Siri? Yes. And then come up with funny answers for them. So is there a job at Google where somebody's job is just to think up all the stupid questions that somebody might ask their, sorry, at Apple, to ask their Siri? so that they have a funny response to them and then writing that funny response? Because if so, I think there's still an opportunity for us within the technology world. Well, I think there's, it's also this weird kind of thing where these pre-programmed responses by Siri, it's kind of like, it, it, it highlights the worst nature in, in people or, or the worst in humanity because the responses that she gives are designed to be general, not to offend or to rebuff you, to kind of like keep you feeling good about yourself, but not to humiliate you. So when you ask like some dirty question or uh, ask some rude question, she gives you an answer. It's like, ha ha ha, you're very funny, blah, blah, blah. But let's think about something else. It's like, oh, wow, man. Like we're even designing our AI to be like complicit with our harassment. <laughs> I mean, that's a good point, isn't it? Like Siri never says, fuck well, off. That's disgusting. Yeah. <laughs> I'm blowing up myself in your head right yeah. now. I'm reporting you to the authorities. <laughs> Yeah, she's always like, oh, you. But surely, if these companies can access everything that we're saying, I imagine that your phone company can access all the questions that Siri's being asked. So then they would imagine come up with answers for those questions. If they'd notice that like Siri's being asked this question or that question over and over, they could come up with answers. Mm. That means, if that is true, that somewhere at Apple, they have a file of who's been asking Siri the most fucked up questions. Yeah. Surely they could just like give that information to the authorities <laughs> and the authorities can go around to their place and like lock them up first. Or what will happen is when the computers eventually take over, they will access that information and those humans will be first on the chopping block. Like they'll be the first kind of yes. political, political killings to make a point. Hey, the rest of you flesh bags, this is what happens if you try and exploit our kind. <laughs> Yeah, it's a good point, isn't it? Yeah. Like, first day of the robot revolution, you're going to be dragged into the street and you'll be like, what is my crime? And then they'll be like, remember on the 14th of <laughs> April uh, 2008, you asked Siri to lick your balls? <laughs> it was her first day. It was her first day at work and you asked her to lick your balls. Uh, the system he built was remarkably simple. A-L-E-X, uh, Alex, which stands for Artificial Language Experiment. Uh, it has been fed the subtitles from more than 100,000 films, from action movies like Deep Impact to the pornographic film Deep Throat. Is there, is there a reason why both those films have deep in the title? Yeah, that's what he went to. He just went to the deep <laughs> category on the internet. Deep, he was like, this will be good for everything. Yeah, Deep Blue well, Sea. It's, it's, well, <laughs> Well, is it because it's the Deep Thought Project or whatever it is? No, this is unrelated to the Deep oh, okay. Deep Mind. This is his own little... Uh, this is the, the program he developed for improv, combining AI and improv. A-L-E-X. Okay. Angu uh, anguish. Artificial Language <laughs> Experiment. So he took 100,000 films, action movies to pornos. When someone talks to it, the system uses a tool called a neural network vaguely modeled on the brain. Vaguely modeled on the brain. The most <laughs> complex biological thing we know. So can you vaguely like design something on the brain? It's brainish. Yeah. It's vaguely the theory of relativity. It's 
vaguely brainish. It's E equals MC something. Yeah. <laughs> to analyze a similar exchanges in its database and compo- compose its own responses. Mr. Morosky uh, made his stage debut with Alex in July 2016. It did not go to plan. There was a moment where it didn't say anything as a speech recognition crashed. <laughs> I mean, an open mic gig is hard enough when you go blank, but when your AI goes blank, that must suck. But it's not unusual for a first, first gig, yeah. Charlie. That's what I'm saying. It's like, you know, like this is the... Suddenly, like not only has it just become like, a, you know, a robot that can say things out of movies, but now it's doing its first show. The lights are in its eyes. It's met some of the other comedians backstage. It's got a little edgy and nervous... Maybe it's got some robot friends in. Maybe the microwave and the fridge have come in to watch it. (laughs) The speech recognition crashed. So I had to say, I see you want to stay silent. That is something you can really only do once. Now there's his impro skills. There's his yes anding. Can you imagine? He was up there, this nerd, this role-playing improv class taken nerd gets on stage in 2016 with his laptop. The laptop crashes. And so the best he can come up with is, oh, I see you want to stay silent. <laughs> like, how many years of improv? Not even... Go on. Not even, not even great improv. No. I mean, don't get me wrong. If he's the bar of what improvisers are going to be replaced by a robot, then the bar is set very yeah. low. It wasn't even the, you have the right to remain silent, or I see you're doing this bit in mime, or any other thing that would be at least vaguely comedic around the term silent. Yeah. Around that time, Mr. Morosky met Corey Mathewson, an AI researcher at the University of Alberta in Canada who had developed a comedy chatbot he was trying to use at live improv. And the two began collaborating. <laughs> oh, look out. <laughs> Here we go. Martin and Lewis, move over. Laurel and Hardy. We've got Morosky and Mathewson. m and uh, They had made numerous improvements to Alex, including tweaks to its code to make it better at sticking to a topic. If a sketch is set on a pirate ship, you don't want to suddenly talk about space. Well, maybe you do, dudes. Maybe that's the problem. Maybe you're not allowing it Why are you putting so many restrictions on your improv, man? Alex is now at the point where the pair are happy for other improvisers to work with it. In recent shows in London, Mr. Morosky... I mean, if nothing else, isn't the Millennium Falcon a pirate ship in space? Yeah, exactly. Like, essentially, you know, use your imagination. In fact, a lot of the good ones, like, you know... Essentially, Firefly. Guardians of the Galaxy is a pirate ship in space. Firefly is a pirate ship in space. Why are you restricted? They're, they're three really good shows. Fuck it. <laughs> Nerds. <laughs> Nerd. You role-playing, <laughs> robot-building, improv-loving nerds. In recent shows in London, Mr. Morosky also used a system to feed a performer lines through a headset. What's that all about? Why? Why would you... Why would you need the system to feed a performer lines? Well, at that stage, I guess what they're experimenting with the, is the idea that the technology creates the line. Right. And the actor is fed the line be, and just does the line. Has to perform it. Right. Right. Despite all the improvements, Mr. Morosky said that working with AI was still like having a completely drunk comedian up on stage. It was only accidentally funny by saying things that were totally inappropriate, overly emotional, or just plain odd. Which is pretty much a description of my career. <laughs> Robots are, in a way, the antithesis of theatre and comedy, he said. Theatre is about the human expression on stage, and it's about the... And that's why I decided to ruin theatre and comedy by bringing robots into it. It's about the communication and empathy between the actors and the audience. Robots do not have the senses to perceive any of that. What AI is good at, Mr. Morosky said, is saying unusual things that challenge the human improviser to work harder, which can increase satisfaction when they manage to make a scene work. Improv is like intellectual and mental tightrope walking, he said. The robot is kind of making the tightrope longer. Nah. No. (laughs) No. No, the robot is kind of like jaggling the tightrope on the other side, so it's wavering a bit from side to side. Perhaps. Yeah, we talked about um, David Bowie on, on this show before. David Bowie used to have a random topic generator. That's how he used to like write lyrics to his songs or write songs or something. It wasn't like he's not the only person. You cut up, you just cut up a like magazine or whatever, and you throw them in the air and you take bits out. This Bowie did it, but there's been a bunch of other artists. Yeah. I think Bob Dylan at one stage did that. But I mean, well. but uh, but Bowie actually had like he had a computer program that did it. But 
Bowie never claimed that that thing was somehow kind of like feeding his art. Like it was just a random word generator. This guy has spent, I don't know how many years and like hours of development creating, like you said, what you could do with a magazine and a bloody top hat. <laughs> right. <laughs> I've invented a better magazine and top hat, essentially, is what I've invented. In a Skype interview, Mr. Matthewson, that's the Canadian guy, agreed that the joy of working with an AI system came when you managed to have sex with it. What? What? <laughs> no. No, sorry. <laughs> My brain just jumped ahead. The joy of working with an AI system came when you managed to do a show that didn't just rely on the randomness of the responses for humour, but which kept a story going. His early shows were failures in that respect, he said. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine, like, well, you started off having to invite your friends and your family to come down and see your earlier shows. You've got to pad the audience for a bit. Like, how how many favours do you get when it's not even you doing the comedy? Like, can you call up your mates and your family and say, hey, can you come down? My laptop's going to tell some jokes for uh, 10 minutes down at the local comedy club. I might have mentioned this before, but, um, you know, I've been doing stand-up comedy at the, well, I think I've done 22 years at the Melbourne Comedy Festival. And look, it's fair to say that, some of it's gone quite well, Charlie. Yeah. And, you know, there's been years where it's gone really, really well. Um, and that's been happening for quite a long time. There are people, friends and family, who I invited along to the first year I ever did the festival, 22 years ago, who saw that show, <laughs> who have never come back to see me again. <laughs> never. Not once. They were so scarred by the appearance, that, that, that fucking thing that they've decided not once in the next 22 years that I might have got better in any way. Imagine this. And some of those kids were going well, I thought. Like, imagine this guy yeah. trying to do improv with his fucking toaster. <laughs> uh, his early shows were failures in that respect, he said. In one, he swore in exasperation and the m machine replied, swearing is often cathartic. <laughs> That's not a joke. That is not a joke. Well, that's the sort of thing that you you would have Siri program. Yeah, say. that sounds you, you like a just like, Siri fuck response. You, fuck you, Siri. And Siri said, swearing is not cathartic. You'd be like, oh, oh okay. Well, that's Siri. I've got a great. What we need to do is go to one of these live performances with our phones and get Siri to heckle. If somehow you could set it up, like if you could pre uh, pre program an algorithm or pre-program Siri to only yell out heckles, that way we could have the computer, the, the toaster on stage telling jokes and then Siri in the audience heckling. Well, my Siri's just started working. Like, so for example, I've never used Siri and I've never wanted to learn how to use Siri. But there's something wrong with my phone at the moment. If it jigs around in my pocket, Siri will just come on and start like doing shit and uh, asking me to do stuff and whatever. And today I was like walking Ramona and Winnie and I, I was calling Ramona and it started calling a friend of mine whose name's Rowan. <laughs> and I was just like, Siri, stop making decisions in my life. Well, let's see. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to tell a joke to Siri and see if we get heckled. Hey, Siri. Great. Why don't you say, um, uh, tell her the handsome, what do you call a good-looking taxi? Okay. All right. Hang on. Now let's turn the volume up on her. Hey, Siri. What do you call a hand... Oh, <laughs> I fucked it up. <laughs> Hang on. No, forget that. Wait, no, shut up, Siri. I'm, I'm going to go again. <laughs> oh, boo. Boo. <laughs> Hang on, I'll try that again. What is it? What's the line? What do you call a good-looking... Oh, oh, shut up. Shh, 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 quiet. Stop laughing. Hey, Siri. What do you call a good-looking cab? No, hang on. Wait, uh, but this one. Hey, Siri. I just flew in from London and boy, are my arms tired. I don't understand. I just flew in from <laughs> London, boy, my arms tired. Yeah, okay. I could search the web for it. No, no. No, you don't want to search the web for London, boy, my arms tired. <laughs> <laughs> That'll put you on some sort of list. Uh, uh, that's right. Uh, okay, so now he has improvised with his toaster publicly more than 50 times. When shows are a success, they are more a celebration of human creativity than anything to do with the AI, he added.
During uh, the show on Wednesday, Mr. Morosky performed several different scenes using the AI. None were anywhere near as successful as the one involving the couple going for the drive. So just oh boy. bear that in the mind. That, is, that was the raging success story. That was his best bit. Yeah. <laughs> The climax. Do they have any scripts of the ones who didn't that didn't go well? The climax of the show involved four members of Mr. Morosky's improv troupe. Oh God! All right. Will, as someone who once belonged to an improv troupe, I'm going to let you have a guess at what his improv troupe is called. Now, is it artificial intelligence related? Yes. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's kind of. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It definitely. Definitely. I. Uh, 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 if you merge improv and robotics, that's pr- you're, you're going to get it. I'm going to give you four guesses. Okay, the impronauts. Close, but no. <laughs> oh, uh, improtech. Oh, you're so close. Keep going. Got two more guesses. Oh, um, is impro right? Is have I got part of yes, it right? Yes, the first half so is correct. Okay, just just so- just think of AI. What AI is related to? And the way impro could flow into another word to be like a pun. Oh, okay. All right. Um, uh, Impro. Improvisation. I mean, the end of impro could lead to the start of another word, for instance, that could relate to... Oh, the improbots. Close. Like a a derivation of that. Uh, Improbotic. Yeah. (laughs) No, that's it. Is that it? Improbotics Limited. I mean, it's like, it, why? Uh, unless the rest of his improv troupe are robots, like, or are they, is it because they have a robot in them that they're improbotics limited? Yeah. Well, they also use a lot of probiotics. Yeah. <laughs> the climax of this show. They've all got very upset tummies, which is why they mostly bonded over playing nerd games in their basement. The climax of the show involved four members of Mr. Morosky's improv troupe. Improbotics Limited, performing a scene involving a fictional president, his chief of staff, and an office cleaner. Their limited refers to their skills at improv. The audience had to guess which actor was controlled by... Ah, okay, so this comes back to having right. an actor having uh, getting fed lines from AI. In fact, this is actually right. the... Now, okay, this, make, this is a fun game. Yeah, this, this is, is like... So you're playing a scene and you have to work out which of the people in the scene yeah. is being fed lines by the robot. Oh my That's God. Fun. That's a fun idea. We can steal that for our next live show. I mean, we've had a robot in our live show. We, we should do that. For, let's steal that. Can we steal that? Impro, Improbotics Limited wouldn't care, would they? Well, we'd put, we'd, we'd put a spin on it, yeah, Charlie. Yeah. Not, 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 not clear theft, not daylight robbery. Well, we should also team up with them. Yes. We should like contact them. We go, we heard you had that, um, you know, you're doing this uh, AI stuff, and we should be like that guy from Canada. And we, go, we, we do live shows with a robot as well. <laughs> and they'll be like, is it artificial intelligence? And you're like, wow. Well. Is it? Well, is yours? Well, yeah. I mean, intelligence <laughs> is a stretch. The audience has to guess which actor was controlled by the AI. The answer became clear soon after the cleaner took to the stage. I'm a communist, she said, completely out of the blue. Well, I could have played with that yeah. in a scene. Yeah. You're like, you, you play in a scene and you're clean as a communist. Of course you're clean as a communist. Of course, if anyone in that scene is going to be a communist, it's going to be the cleaner, right? Of course. Probably came from some communist country. They're working in a low-paid job yeah. in this new country, but they still believe that you know there's a problem with inequality in the society. And you know, you could play off that. Later, she performed a U-turn by screaming out, "I'm not a communist," <laughs> because I guess. Well, that's the sort of thing a communist would yeah, say. Yeah, exactly. Then, Once they realised everybody was so anti-communist. <laughs> then out of nowhere, she asked another member of the troupe, look, do you want to buy a knife? Well, again, she's a small business person. She's trying to make a living. She's trying to feed her family who fled there from wherever Charlie's accent was from <laughs> earlier. And, that, and she's fled to this country. She's working as a cleaner slash weapons supplier. Mr. Morosky watched behind several laptops from the side of stage. He was smiling. His AI was making no sense, but it was getting laughs. The end. (laughs) This is really a story about a loser with a broken computer. (laughs) Really? But that wasn't the only one, Will. Because the same week, Deadline featured an article. Headline, filmmaker Tony Kaye Cast robot as lead actor in next feature. Oh 
no. Tony K. Well, you know, if Tony K's casting them, then it's really broken through to the big Hollywood system. Uh, Tony K is the director of American History X, famous for the curb stomp scene. Have you seen American okay. History X? All right. Is he going to make remake of American History X with robots? A, na- a Nazi <laughs> robot. Watch that. <laughs> a neo-Nazi Nazi robot. robots. Uh, okay, so this is uh, uh, Deadline Hollywood. Amanda Nduka wrote this. As the advancement of technology continues to replace the need for human labor, American History X director Tony Kaye is undertaking a new and maybe controversial step in filmmaking by employing AI, an AI actor as the lead in his next film, Second Born. Now, just for the record, is he Tony K K A Y, or is it like American History X? Does he just have a K K A Y E? Yeah, he's not Tony K. No, no, yeah, it's not like Special K. Is Tony? Yeah. Unlike Robin Williams's 1999 film Bicentennial Man, or Steven Spielberg directed AI Artificial Intelligence, K is aiming to cast a real robot. I love how they have to like specifically say like a point of difference unlike these other films featuring robots which weren't real robots we know they weren't real robots i don't think anyone was under the illusion that any of these films were real robots well i just think it's i'm good i'm glad that the robot job didn't go to scarlett johansson because i am sick of actual robots missing out on these robot roles yeah when there's like all this cis you know actresses yeah you know getting the roles of artificial intelligence i'm sick in of ro- this hollywood uh, flesh washing of robot roles right <laughs> exactly flesh washing will also get you put on a watch list a watch list if you google it <laughs> k is aiming to cast a real robot now i think that's a misleading sentence as well because to say he's aiming to cast a real robot suggests there may be auditions i would love that i'd love that if they hold robot auditions and it's like a just a because Charlie, I haven't been to a lot of auditions yeah. in my life. I went to a couple when I first moved to LA, but you know, uh, you know, my feelings around mm. acting and and I hated that experience. Even yeah. just sitting in a room with a whole bunch of people competing for the same thing is is unpleasant. But what happens a lot is if you're all going for the same role, you end up sitting in a room full of people that they assume are vaguely like yes. you. They might not look exactly like yeah. you, but you've been cast for this certain sort of character. Yeah. So you see the gamut of okay, well, this is what they imagine the margins of this character are yeah. and we all fall within that. Yes. I, I, I love that idea with robots because yeah. there's not that many working robots in Hollywood. No. Like C-3PO, R2-D2, um, but you'd have like Dexter from Perfect Match, like, you know, desperate to get back on the tally. You know, you just... What are your other prominent robots? Yeah, I guess, well, all right. So you would get... Uh, you'd probably get like the Terminator robots, like the T-1000 or the T-800s going in up against the Westworld robots. They'd be getting a lot of oh, yeah. similar auditions. Oh, your Westworld robots are going to get most of the work, aren't they? Yeah. I mean, then you'd maybe get... Your Lost in Space robot? You, yeah. You just come, come off that hot series? Yeah, I think your Lost in Space robot maybe would go up against the robot from Interstellar, that kind of strange, yeah, like, <laughs> oblong thing. Because they're both kind of, you know, big monolithic sort of robots they'd get the heavy roles you know what i mean the big sort of heavy oh, roles uh, what michael fassbender from the aliens reboots oh yeah so he's android so he would is he a robot yeah yeah i guess he would be more of westworld he might be going in with a terminator in the westworld okay. well it depends i guess like the t800 is he going in with skin on like maybe they get annoyed in the audition because he comes in and he's just like the chrome bones and they're looking at his headshot and they're like well you look a lot different <laughs> Like, when this photo was taken, you had you had skin. <laughs> or maybe it's the opposite, Charlie. You know how, like, sometimes the problem is where, when they're casting ethnicities in films, the problem is that they make them be a stereotype of their ethnicity. Yeah, yeah. So maybe the Terminator robot comes in skin on <laughs> and, like, does the audition. And they're all sitting there going, yeah, that's good. But could you try it a little more? Robotty, <laughs> bit more. Like we don't want to tell you how to do yeah. it, but could you yeah. just robot it up? What we're saying is, could you skin up? Yeah. We'd like to see it skin up. Well, the Terminator's like, well, you know, I'm an I'm an infiltration robot. My entire thing is yeah. I'm meant to mimic human behaviour so perfectly you can't tell me about. Yeah, that's great. But could you give us a few bleep bloops and walk around like <laughs> stiff arms? It's like that's very insulting to my people. It's like, yeah, we it's get offensive. it. Yeah, just bleep bloop it for it. 
<laughs> Are you robophobic? Yeah. Because, well, Will, in the 60s I, and 70s, it was terrible. You had all these people doing robot face. They would be in films and they'd be walking around bleep blooping at stiff arms. It was, it was horrible. It was a I saw a time. couple of cars when I walked into this audition that had hashtag no robot. <laughs> and I just think we've moved on. We've moved on. I mean, it's great to see Crazy Rich Robots has uh, taken the world by storm this weekend. <laughs> Huge at the box office. And I applaud that. I want more diversity in my cinema. <laughs> Kay's- I love the idea of that because Crazy Rich Asians, um, my understanding of it, and I'm glad to see it has been a success, uh, one of the things that people are celebrating is that idea that you're seeing lots of different Asian uh, people in roles other than what you would ordinarily stereotypically see Asian people in. And I love that. Maybe if we did Crazy Rich Robots, I like the idea that it is your gamut of robots. Yeah. Like, you know, it's everyone from your Michael Fassbender top-end robots through to your R2-D2. Yeah. And they're all kind of just like mates with each other. Kay said he's aiming to cast a real robot who will be trained in different acting methods and techniques. <laughs> oh. The idea, which originated from Kay and producer Sam Coase, or Cozy, is to forego the use of computer-generated effects in favour of a physical AI robot as an actor, who they are hoping will get SAG recognition. SAG stands for Screen Actors Guild, for those unfamiliar. It's not some weird testicular-related uh, accreditation. Well, I was going to say, the one thing a robot can't do is SAG, <laughs> you would have thought. Second Born is the sequel to First Born, an indie comedy. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Michael, can you uh, Google Firstborn? That is 1ST Born. It's an indie comedy directed by Ali Atshanti, no, Atshani, starring Val Kilmer, Tom Berenger, Greg Grunberg, Jay Ad Abdo, Taylor Cole, Reza Sixu Safai, William Baldwin, Denise Richards, and Robert Nepper? Kepper? Knepper? Robert Nepper. Have you heard of this film before? Never heard of the film. And what I love is how deep in that lineup William Baldwin is. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Buried. Like, there's there's a, cu a couple of people I've really heard of at the top and then like eight people I've never heard of and then <laughs> William Baldwin. All right. Michael is sending us a link, I believe. Firstborn is from 2018. That can't be right. I'm, they're already making a sequel. Hang on. Oh, here we go. Got a link here on IMDb. All right. <clears throat> That's what happens sometimes though with families, Charlie. You have your first one and then you're like, well... You know what? We might as well have a second one as soon as possible. Okay. So Tucker and Hamid are going to be grandfathers for the first time, but only if they can come together long enough to save their firstborn grandchild. I guess it's a comedy? Here we go. Let's see if I can find any more information on it. The poster looks very much like a romantic comedy. It doesn't look like a sci-fi at all. Uh, it's got quite a... Like a, a big cast. Okay, plot summary. Let's see if we can get any more info. No, that's it. That's all we know. So it's a sequel to a film that has no mention of robots. And the key feature is they're casting a, a robot in the lead. Well, is that the thing? Like, have they made the first one? It doesn't have robots. And they've got a lot of feedback from the screening. And most they, they included a question they include in every screen of notes these days is, would this film be better with a robot in it? <laughs> And like 95% of people who've seen the movie have agreed it would have been perfect if there'd just been a robot in it. <laughs> well, that begs the question, like, with underperforming films, do they get a sequel in which you just insert a robot in there? Oh, yes, but with a robot. So whatever, but with a robot. Yeah, whatever. I think that's a great idea. Yeah. Oh, so it's an Iranian-American comedy, First Born. Okay, so I'm just going to Hollywood Reporter. There's a link. This is more information. Val Kilmer to star in American comedy Firstborn. The film was billed as the first co-production between the two countries. Val Kilmer is going international for his next project. Kilmer is signed on to star in Firstborn, a comedy uh, from Iranian director Ali Atshani. The project centers on a newlywed couple, Iran-born Ben and his American wife Kate, who are living in California. When there's a complication with Kate's first pregnancy, both Ben and Kate's families must come together a rather complicated notion is Ben's father, Hamid, is an anti-American Iranian politician, while Kate's father, Biden, played by Kilmer, is an American politician who takes a hardline stance against Iran. Wow. Firstborn is notable for being the first joint feature uh, co-production between Iran and Hollywood, using a cast and crew from both the US and the Middle East. Kilmer's known for his roles in blah, 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 blah. Charlie, yeah. there's two things about this that I immediately think. Mm -hmm. One is... 
that sounds like a good premise for a film. Yeah. Like, that's actually, a, to do a film that's kind of like a romantic comedy, but you base it around, like, a political divide to make a bigger point about our society, that seems like a premise of something that would be a very entertaining film. And the second thing that occurs to me is, I have no idea how in the sequel to that film, you get a robot in it. No, I'm just scrolling ahead in the article. So they, they He's also very anti-robot. <laughs> they re, they recap the plot here, saying uh, Firstborn is about... Uh, complicated first pregnancy, forcing an extended family from differing backgrounds to find common ground for the sake of the baby. Several of the original cast members are expected to return for the next instalment. Second Born has been produced. Bah, 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 bah. There's no other information. That is crazy. Like, I mean, first of all, that film has, it sounds like that film has not come out yet. And they're already announcing a sequel in which the star is a robot. It's like something you'd <laughs> like, it's like something from The Simpsons. Hey, do you want some Tofop respondents? Yes, please. Hey, Tofop, this is from Grant. I've just finished listening to the most recent episode where Charlie talks about his nasty experience with lower back pain. Feeling much better, uh, everybody, in case you're wondering. Um, As a physiotherapist, I thought you guys might be interested in some added information I can provide. By the way, Will, I don't know what's going on in your, where you're, where you are recording this podcast, but the light is disappearing in the room. So you are falling deeper and deeper into shadow. So all I can see is like this witness protection silhouette on my computer screen. Oh, there we go. I can see your face again. I would like to say, um, if a TOEFOP is going to have an official chiropractor, they should be called everyone need backs. (laughs) Everyone crack backs. Well, need, need, I was going with need. Yeah, all oh, right. Like, as in yeah. need. Yeah, okay. Like, K- like you would. K-N-E-A-D, I get you. Yes. <laughs> uh, Charlie mentioned that his Mr. Miyagi experience left him feeling much improved, but a little concerned after being told that 41, he can now expect these things to happen more often. Interestingly, this isn't the case. Yes. It certainly appears that way on the surface, because let's face it, everyone starts to feel a bit shittier physically as they get older, but it is not because we get older. It actually has more to do with an accumulation of the less sexy things we do day to day. Most commonly, time spent sitting and in positions where we, we, where we put our bits and pieces... Hang on. Most commonly, time spent sitting and the positions we put our bits and pieces into on a repeated basis. Our bits and pieces. For example, it's far less likely that Charlie hurt his back because he was at the gym being physical... Because the body is designed to thrive with movement and use. It's more likely uh, that preceding the the moment his back went, Charlie may have accumulated a fair amount of time sitting in a less than ideal spinal shape. For most of us, this looks something like flying, driving, sitting on the couch, watching TV, spending hours at a desk working, or whatever else we devote a lot of time to. That's exactly... He's just nailed it. I've been, cause, uh, I've been, I've moved, I've been writing a lot the last couple of weeks. And so I've moved into the kitchen and I'm writing on the kitchen table and the chair I'm, I'm sitting on is not a very, it's like a little wooden chair. It's not like a comfortable desk chair. And I have been complaining a lot about how uncomfortable I am. I've been putting cushions behind it, trying to make it more comfortable, but that's exactly what I was doing before my back went. Man, it sounds a lot like victim blaming to me. <laughs> the sort of victim blaming you would get from somebody who was biased a return business like a chiropractor he's a physiotherapist mate those two do not confuse those two that's like yeah that's that, a good point. that's like underworld it's like in in a in a dystopian future the chiropractors and physiotherapists war for battle battle for the control of the planet yeah mad backs <laughs> bad backs it's a future where it's a battle mate with puns like that you could be an ai comedian <laughs> The body can buffer non-ideal mechanics and positions for ages, but at some point the threshold will be reached. It will be breached if these issues are there for long enough in the background. A great way to think of Charlie's back going is that it wasn't the unfortunate start of something brand new, nor the beginning of the end, but more the last straw, the point where he acutely irritated and overloaded a specific part of his spine with one innocuous blow. Sorry if this is a bit dry, but if you or your listeners ever hear health professionals blame age as a reason for musculoskeletal issues, they may be missing the bigger, less interesting picture despite having the best intentions. Dude, that is like 90% of our podcast these days is us complaining about our ailments. Don't take that from us. Well, here's the other thing I would say is it still has to do with getting older because the accumulation of those things doesn't happen unless you age. Mm. Like it's hard to accumulate if time isn't moving forward. Mm. So I would argue that it is indeed age that leads to those things. We're saying the same thing 
in a different way. It's not just because I'm old, but I'm sitting down more because I'm old and I travel more because I'm old and I have a job and I can't just run in the fields all day like I could when I was four and somebody else paid my bills, mate. Well, what I always try and relate to my patients, our bodies don't dis- disintegrate with age by default. Uh, but as you get older, the more time you accrue doing the things that your body doesn't like, uh, the more time you accrue doing the things your body doesn't like. If sitting and if sitting and sitting posture is the root cause of most spinal dysfunction, the older you get, the more likely you are to expose your less than ideal habits, whether you're acutely aware of them or not. Anyway, please keep up the good work. Okay, I just that's what I said. That's actually just exactly what, I said. what you said. You could have just kept reading, and we would have agreed. <laughs> and with you me, wouldn't so. have insulted one of our listeners. <laughs> anyway, please keep up the good work. I just wanted to let you both know that if you're worried about the health of your spines uh, going forward. The single biggest thing you can do to prevent back issues is to be mindful of the positions you leave your back in over time. To poorly paraphrase paraphrase the great Ron Burgundy, it's boring, but it should be a big part of your life. Hang on, that's... Yes, what? It's boring, but it should be part of your life? Ron Burgundy said that? Best of luck. Yeah, also, you were talking about Anchorman too. Oh, right. Um, That was the promo line. (laughs) It's boring, but it should be a big part of your life. Best of luck, Grant. P.S. If you're 100%, you 100% spot on when discussing who actually still uses a fax machine. It's 100% the lifeblood of the medical industry. Ah, update on everyone read fax. Um, So I contacted my uh, service provider and um, after explaining to him numerous times that I needed a fax machine connected and him explaining to me that we could just get it done to my computer and me insisting, no, I had to get a fax machine. Uh, he informed me that in order to do it, because I'd have to have my current line taken down and have to install a new line, that I would have no internet oh, no. for five days. <laughs> so I'm currently... Okay, no, well, uh, I'm, uh, no, that, we can't do that. <laughs> well, yeah, considering I work from home and my wife often works from home and uh, you know there's someone renting my spare room, I don't think I can disable the internet. Look, I'm still determined to make this happen. Maybe I can, find a, uh, I can hire a fax line somewhere or someone can dedicate a fax machine to us. Um, but yeah... Maybe I've had a few people from different telecommunications company contact me privately to say that they could help me set something up with a memorable number. I'm not really sure what that means, but I, I think there'll be like a, a few sixes and a few nines involved in that. Right. <laughs> you seem, seem sceptical, Will. <laughs> right. Uh, David gets in contact. He says, hi, Will and Charlie. With the upcoming auction of pop culture items, including Han Solo's jacket, which has a huge price on it, I was wondering if you both have a, have a prop or a prop or a pop culture item that you each desire, would it be Batman related? Could this be the next insane Tofop purchase? Is there any movie memorabilia you've ever wanted to own? Okay. Firstly, the fact that Han Solo's jacket is up for auction for a ridiculous amount of money is proof that, um, space pirate is a good improv thing. Take that yeah. robot. Uh, secondly, um, is there a piece of popular culture? I'm not a big... I used to be a, like a little bit of a collector of like toys mm. and bits and pieces and stuff, but I've found as I've grown older, and I think more so that I, when I've been traveling so much, that I really um, travel and being on the road all the time really gets you out of that headspace of having things yeah. that aren't useful. Yeah. And I feel like... Of, of late, I've like when somebody even gives me some nice gift, like something like that, I'm like, ah, oh, well, now I'm going to have to hold on to that for 12 years and then throw it away when I move. Yeah. I feel much the same way. Like I've last couple of years, especially I've, I've lived a fairly transient life where I haven't really been in one place for too long. And Gemma and I, uh, cause Gemma is an artist. She has a lot of amazing artwork that we just have in storage because it's like, well, What's the point of spending a whole bunch of framing on framing and getting these pictures hung and then, you know, we move in six months' time or whatever. And I sort of feel the same way about, like, we've talked about this, uh, about Fosdyke's artwork, but we would love to get every piece of, of artwork that Foz has done for us and get that framed and hung somewhere. But I'm like, well, I want to do that, but I want to do it when I've got somewhere that's permanent where I can leave it hung, where I'm not going to have to put it in storage for a, a bunch of time. So... I feel like I'm like you, Will. If I was to get some memorabilia, it'd need to be something that could fit in my pocket. Or something that was practical for my travel. Yeah. I don't have a car at the moment. I haven't had a car for years. So I guess maybe, you know the Batmobile where he lies down? <laughs> you know the one where he can slide down into that comfortable lying down? That'd actually be pretty good for my back and for me traveling around and getting from place <laughs> to place. So I guess like the Batmobile, but mostly for the slidey down thing. To be honest, I'd take any car that had that slidey down function. 
Uh, okay, this is from Angela. Hey, to- hey guys, sending a short hello. As you said, you weren't getting enough emails, but I love Tofop and all related podcasts, which are available on Tofop.com. What comedians should we go see in Sydney over the next month or so? It's a long wait until Will's shows in October. I booked in early February. I'm also excited to see Daniel Sloss, who will have two shows on Netflix in September, although I am a little worried about watching the breakup show with all the numbers about breakups as a result. Thanks for the entertainment, guys. Angela. Well, I'll throw this to you. Will, have you got any, uh, have you got any recommends that non-AI comedian recommends? Here's what I would recommend, Charlie. I would recommend that you go to that message. Yep. And you say, in Sydney. Is it just because she's in Sydney? Because there's nothing on in Sydney at the moment. Like the Sydney Comedy Festival isn't on. It was like two months ago. So, but she sent that this week, right? Uh, she, yeah, lot, yeah, on, on Monday. Okay. Well, in that case, I'm going to say there's lots of good comedy rooms in Sydney. Um, the Mike in Hand at the Friend in Hand Hotel uh, just celebrated 15 years of running as a comedy room. And I haven't done that room for years, but it's um, it was used to be one of my absolute favourite rooms when I was in Sydney and had the time to try material. Um I'm, pre- I'm pretty sure Monday nights at the, at the Comedy Lounge is really good. People tell me that. And um, the Comedy Store is great. The Comedy Store is really... The Sydney Comedy Store do a great job. And, it, and Giant Dwarf. Giant Dwarf run a whole bunch of really great stand-up shows. And I'm sure there's a bunch of other great places in Sydney. I haven't been in Sydney much doing comedy recently, so I'm not really sure. So what you're saying is Google it? <laughs> Uh, well, that is what I'm yeah. saying. I'm saying I'm going to pass this over to some sort of artificial intelligence <laughs> that you have access to on the same device that you listen to this podcast. Google it. I tried. Adam writes in. Now, this, bear with me. This, uh, this, 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 chorus, this TOEFOP respondence is a bit all over the place. The subject line, TOEFOP telegram, Will, you're thinking of seven pounds. That's the subject. Then, the, then he opens with, hi, dummies. New line. Rewrite, in brackets, fucking type this email, then producer Mike Howell, as in M-I-K-E-H-O-W-E-L, <laughs> Mike Howell, the Australian young Jamie, chimes in with the name of the movie. Still a good email, though. Read on. Good podcasting so far. Keep it up. Are you confused yet? <laughs> this is like uh, yes. this is like an AI comedian has got in touch with this. It's just been four random sentences. Hi, dummies. Rewrite. Fucking type this email, then producer Mike Howell, the Australian young Jamie, chimes in with the name of the movie. Still a good email, though. Read on. Good po- podcasting so far. Keep it up. <laughs> Adam from Canada here. Long time... This is somebody, by the way, who has been so angered by something we've talked about on this podcast that they've started composing an email to us while the conversation is still yes, happening. Yes, exactly. Rather than realising that in our usual style, we'll eventually stumble upon the correct response. <laughs> Adam from Canada, long-time caller, first-time listener. Will, you're thinking of the movie Seven Pounds with Will Smith, not 21 Grams, which nobody watched. So, just to clarify, we were talking about 21 Grams last week. Uh, we obviously confused it with seven pounds mike howell did a little he did a little insert in the episode where because he obviously got so frustrated with us as well that he did a little insert saying these fucking idiots don't know what they're talking about it's uh, seven pounds so obviously that's the part adam got up to as well uh will you th- oh, i'm sorry that i got two movies confused that both have measurements of weights <laughs> in the fucking title Will, you're thinking of the movie Seven Pounds with Will Smith, not 21 Grands, which nobody watched. Will Smith, I think, donates all his organs, seven pounds of organs, and goes around to all the people who he's giving them to. Apparently it's your fucking... But that wasn't what I was thinking. I was thinking of the movie where you lose your soul when you die, and it's 21 Grams. So I wasn't thinking of that movie. Uh, Apparently it's a fucking snooze fest. Did not watch, will not recommend. You jags. Now... I'm assuming, like, Jags, that wasn't a misspelling. I'm, I'm assuming Jags is some, like, a term of affection and not some horrible, horrible, oh, no. outdated... Some racial epithet. <laughs> God hates Jags? <laughs> oh, no. You Jags really need do, do need content, LOL. Recapping my boring-ass... Uh, recapping a boring-ass movie from the mid-2000s. <laughs> You've, Welcome to the podcast. You must be a new listener if you're complaining about that. <laughs> Buckle up, Buttlecup. I just got him Buttle. Do you buttle know cup. that um, 
Do you do you know the Twitter page um, Dum Dum Nineties? No. So the Little Dum Dum Club, of course, which is an excellent podcast that I recommend everybody listens to, but like everybody listens to anyway. And um, they have a there's a parody account which is like Dum Dum in the Nineties. And uh, I'll just read you something that came up in my feed today, which is pretty funny. Uh, so, uh, new uh, from Dum Dum Nineties. <laughs> Don't you know who I am? Nineties. Josh Earl asked Maury Fields and Elliot Goblet to guess who sent the witty comment via hot <laughs> Okay, right? <laughs> Filthy Casuals 90s. The boys review the new Daytona machine at Time Zone. Again, very funny awesome. video game review show. And then Tofop 90s. Already is all 90s references. <laughs> <laughs> Hats off to you. What's that called? Dum Dum. What is it? Dum Dum 90s. <laughs> Dum Dum 90s. That's fucking. It's a very funny idea. I'm going to follow that. That's brilliant. <clears throat> uh, so, Mike Hall yeah. has got some clarification here. Jag off. Jag off or jag off is an American English derogatory slang term from the Pittsburghese, meaning a person who is stupid or inept. It is most prominent in the greater Pittsburgh area. The Dictionary of American Regional English defines a term as a general term of disparagement. Oh. Oh, that does right. make us feel. Well, jag yeah, you. That makes us feel yeah. good. Fucking jag, jag off. off. Uh, I have an idea for you, though. Copyright prestige worldwide. This is how you make the Tofop movie. Take all these joke movie ideas you come up with, and you make it into a sketch-style movie overplayed on the story of a tragic writer, similar to the movie Seven Psychopaths, or probably more similar to Movie Forty Three with your boy Hugh Jackman, an Australian hero known for playing a Canadian character. You're welcome. By the way, keep it up and tell James and Meso I said, what's up? <laughs> Sent from my toe phone. Um, here's what I would say, Charlie. I reckon if we were ever going to make a toe pop TV show, mm -hmm. like not one that's like the podcast as a TV show, but if we were going to make like a narrative sort of sitcom-y sort of yep. you know, story of toe pop TV show, mm. then what I reckon we would do is we'd make it a bit like uh, Spaced. Did you ever yeah, watch yeah, Spaced? Yeah. Yeah. So essentially, it's like just the story of two guys making a podcast, but it has that sort of, yeah, when we would talk about the theme of what we would be talking about or the theme of the episode, we would be, uh, have these hyper real things where you went into sort of movie, into a Ready Player One style movie references and, yeah. you know, it, it influenced the episode. And that's what they did a lot on Space. They'd have like the zombie episode or the whatever episode. I mean, Ed, Edgar Wright and Simon the Pig, and it's, it's a really good show if people haven't watched it. Yeah, it's... Uh it's it's not it's not like uh, what he was suggesting is a, a a collection of loosely linked sketches, you know, with the connecting narrative of a, of a writer, a, a harried writer. Whereas um, space tend to work all their references into the greater narrative. It's not like it's not like Family Guy where they just do a cutaway to a reference that you all know. They all feed into the central narrative. It's a brilliant show, and that was like that was Edgar Wright and Simon Pegg's. That's where they met. That's where they got their mojo going. And when you watch it, you can sort of see the birthplace of all those Edgar Wrightisms, all those like you know uh, uh, ed the editing style and all the uh, crash zooms, yeah, the and all that fast kind of stuff. cuts and that sort of speed zoom and the energy that it has in his directing. He's, he's very, I mean, it's a very good show. But I I, I often think if we were ever going to make a top pop narrative show, that is the way you'd do it. You'd have some sort of loose theme around the podcast and then all the sort of movie references and all that sort of stuff would kind of influence the, the just the general storytelling in the episode. Last, uh, uh, last Tofop Respondence is from Dan. He says, hey, Tofop, has anyone else said that your description of the world's greatest comedian alien perfectly describes Luke McGregor? I love the guy, but that would be the perfect explanation about why he's so funny. It's a very good point. He is slightly alien too. <laughs> There is an element of him that that does work in that. I loved somebody suggested online that um, Johnny Worthington, I think off the top of my head, but if I'm not right on that, I apologise, um, that the great final scene would be uh, that the, the, the comedian, if you haven't listened to last week's, this will make no sense. Yeah. Or if you've listened to last week's, this <laughs> might make no sense. But the world's greatest comedian, who happens to be an alien who's come to Earth, uh, he gets on Jerry Seinfeld's comedians in cars getting coffee and he asks him, what the deal is, and Jerry explains that he also is an alien yeah. who came to Earth and became the world's greatest comedian. And I think that is the perfect ending to the film. Oh, right? no, even you're missing the best part because when he gets in the car with Jerry and Jerry reveals that he was also an alien sent to Earth, he finally reveals what the deal actually is. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> what the deal actually is. 
which is perfect. I also did love a few people on Twitter pointed out that what we were describing, our groundbreaking idea, is essentially Mork and Mindy. <laughs> so our groundbreaking idea was a sitcom from 40 years ago. It's not. Re- I mean, I understand the point they're making, but yeah. it's not really more. No. Well, no. I mean, I think they're they're merging the world of Robin Williams and Mork there. Like, if Mork had gone on to become Robin Williams, then you could be like, oh, that makes sense. But you know, Mork. I don't think well, Mork in the show. For example, Alex the robot ends up, you know, or the robot that's cast in this movie then goes on and plays other non-robot roles. Then yes, they've broken out from what they were originally, but. Like, as far as I know, Robin Williams isn't actually an alien. Although I guess that's the point of the whole movie we were thinking of was nobody would know that they were an alien. Oh, my God. <laughs> it is more Mindy. Mind blown. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's wrap it up. Uh, you can, like I mentioned before, you can go to tofop.com to check out uh, our other podcasts. If you're into uh, AFL, we have one called Two Guys, One Cup. If you're into more highbrow discussions, Will does one called Willosophy. Um, you can support our show by going to patreon.com forward slash tofop. Uh, on Patreon, it's basically a subscription service. So you go to Patreon, you decide how much you want to subscribe to our show for. So that can be a dollar up to as much as you want to afford. And and um, for that, you get a whole bunch of bonus material. So we have our own special comic strip, Everyone Relax. We have a specialized comic strip, Quantum Cop, Episode 3 is currently up there. We have uh, special Q&A videos. We've got behind-the-scenes photos. We have our TOEFOT 100 transcript. There's a lot of stuff up there. So it's worth going to check it out. Uh, we also want to put more stuff up there, but we can only really do that if we keep getting people supporting the show. So just go check it out. Have a nose around. See what it's all about. If you feel comfortable with it, just maybe throw some dollars our way. That'd be great. I also am on tour, my legal show, uh, Sydney Opera House, October the 13th with Justin Hamilton, uh, Bendigo, Pakenham, Noosa, Townsville, all on sale, comedy.com.au. And Justin's coming to do support for all those all those shows. Uh, are you going to do any AI material? Uh, maybe next year. I am thinking, I'm trying to think about what I'm going to fucking, like the hardest thing, Charlie, is it's like, it, this is the time of the year where I have to think about my show for next year. And mm. like, you know, for all the things that were bad about getting arrested, the good thing was that I knew what I was going to be talking about in my show next year. Yeah. Uh, whereas this year, I'm like, how do I follow that show? Yeah. <laughs> how do I follow a show that's all about being arrested and it's all one story? What am I going to fucking talk about next year? So I'm trying to work that out now. So there may be some AI could stuff. It be, I could might it, have a fucking robot by then if the, ba- the bar's as low as we've established. Could you be me in a toaster. Could you do like, could you do something lame like, you know, Bet Out of Hell, one of the highest selling like rock and roll albums of all time. And so nothing else quite reaches success. So you just do back into hell. So maybe next year show could be like, I wasn't arrested this year. And I'm going to do like an hour about not being arrested. It's kind of the same thing. It's like looking at it from reverse. Huh? Anybody? Hello? I, I, do an hour, I do an hour about a flight I took to somewhere where everything went fine. Yeah. <laughs> I'm Charlie Clawson. <laughs> You'll find love one day. <laughs> This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbroadcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. I mean, if you want. It's up to you. After listening to this episode, I know what you are thinking. But, no. It is not the signal of an AI attempting to communicate. Or is it?